I had the honor and the privilege of writing the foreword to that book, Unshakable. And I am also, um, while I did not write the entirety of the book, just the foreword, I am writing the study guide. And I'm excited as I dig through uh, this book and, um, and writing that study guide. It is a tremendous tool because it's not like a keychain that we give you for your, you know, your first time guest or even a coffee mug that's a little better or even a t-shirt for the third time guest. But when, when you look at this book, it's something that we, when you can go to this and it'll help you the rest of your life because it deals with the 10 toughest struggles, storms that we all go through. Right now, there's three storms cooking in the Atlantic. You know it. You probably know their names. But you remember last year, three devastated the United States. There was Maria and Harvey and Irma. So we know what a storm is about. And when you read the forward, you'll hear me talk about us living on the East Coast and dealing with some storms. You can weather any storm in your life as long as you have an unshakable foundation. No matter what the storm is, no matter what else it destroys, as long as you're built on the rock, you're going to be able to make it. So I want to encourage you to pick up the book here. They're $10. Uh, pick it up here rather than buying it uh, through our Facebook site. You can do that, but we have to charge shipping. So here, just get it. Uh, it's a wonderful, wonderful opportunity. Uh, welcome to our uh, Call Me Crazy series. And I think we're somewhere around installment number five. But uh, today I want to go down another route and... Um, this happens to be a woman. Now, I preached a message on a Wednesday night a few weeks ago. It takes a woman. And some of y'all were here, some of you were not here. But anyway, it was a good message. You go back on our uh, uh, YouTube channel and check that out, harborwc.com, or, or just search for HarborWC. But today I want to talk about a woman that was, in the eyes of most people, crazy. Because she done something absolutely phenomenal. It's just crazy. But before I get to that, let me just tell you this. How many of you know that love will make you do some crazy things? Huh? I mean, when you fell in love, man, you, stay, you used to hate talking on the phone, and now your battery's dying ever so often because you're just talking all the time. I mean, you've got that little icon for her or for him or whatever it is, and man, you just, every time that phone buzzes, you just start shaking. Right? Love will make you do some crazy things. I, I think of myself, I mean, I remember me, when Kelly and I, we started, I asked her back in the day to go with me. That's what we say back then, would you go with me? Well, like, go where? Would you go with me? On the first day of my 10th grade year, <clears throat> now I didn't know too much about going with nobody. I didn't even have no car, you know, so I really, anyway... <laughs> But nonetheless, I asked her that. Well, the next year when I become a junior, we moved across town from, I was at Kendrick High School. We moved all the way across town to Jordan High School. So then we could actually go to school together. How about that? And what even got better than that was when we went to, um, you know, the, the first day when you go get your classes and all that, found out that we was in American history together. We were just about to make some history, baby. <laughs> all right. <laughs> I'm talking about love will make you do some crazy things. Now, check this out. One day, we, we were walking from the main auditorium over to the wing, the extended wing at, at Jordan High School. For those of you who know the place, you understand. We're walking along, and so you come in, and of course, there's stairs there. Our classroom was upstairs, so we decided to just take a little break. Every now and then, you need to take a little break and have a little kiss, right? Well, anyway, I guess that got extended because the bell rang, 
And then when we walked into the class, Miss Harold, I'll never forget her. She had on these old, I mean, these glasses. I guess it was style that day. But nonetheless, she had a kind of a crazy hairdo. And she, listen to how crazy, she had a, a, a tree named Jennifer in the classroom. I mean, she, she, there was something strange about this woman. I don't know, but she liked Kelly. But nonetheless, so, so we get there. And the first thing she said, uh, go to the office. So we go right on down to the office. We get in the office, Dr. Shoemaker, who happened to be Miss Shoemaker at the high school's husband. But this was way back in the day. But he said, there's real easy, two choices. You can get three uh, days after school detention, or you can have three licks. I turned right around to the desk. I said, I have to work, man. I'm getting married shortly here. <laughs> Kelly said, I'll take the three days, which she never had to do because she was a teacher's pet. But right there in front of Kelly... I mean, I didn't know this man that was so frail looking could swing so hard, but he was like Barry Bonds, man. And I mean, love will make you do crazy things. As a matter of fact, I went a little bit further than that. I, I mean, I was working on a tobacco farm in the summer, and I took some of that money and bought her a promise ring. Y'all remember what a promise ring is? That was, I promised to stay faithful. I can't afford an engagement ring, but I can, I can afford this one. Are y'all with me? I, so that's what I did. Now, man, I took some flack from my uncles. I took some flack from friends. They said, that ain't nothing but puppy love. But it was real to the puppy. <laughs> Y'all with me? So they said, that ain't going to last. Well, a lot of people said, that ain't never going to make it. I'm going to tell you, all love will make That's the most important thing you learn today is love will make you do some crazy things. So, I mean, I've done some crazy things, so I asked the girl to marry me. I didn't realize that, listen here, this is crazy. I graduated high school on June 2nd, 1984, and I married her on June 30th, 1984, 28 days after graduating. That's crazy. I'm not saying I recommend it, but here's what I want to tell you. All them people that said that's puppy love... It ain't never going to work. They done been divorced three and four times, and we done celebrated 34 years, four children, and eight grandchildren. But love will make you do some crazy things. I remember, man, sneaking. Now, see, my daddy was a disciplinarian. You had better count the cost if you was going to break the rules. I would slide my window up and slide right on out and walk three blocks to a payphone because nobody knew iPhone back then. But they had pay phones down at the grocery store. And so I would just slip out the window and ease on down the hill. Y'all with me? Love will make you do crazy things. Now, it, ain't, it, it ain't, you know, time for us to talk because y'all guarantee you, you could, somebody say, I've done some crazy things too, but we in church. So, uh, but we, we might have been crazy, but our craziness created a legacy and a heritage that'll last forever. So you got to understand that love will make you do some crazy things. And here's something else you got to understand, because I'm going to tell you a story that's going to tie this all up, because I promise I'm not preaching just about me this morning. But I want you to know that, that, that they're not insane, they're just in love. You look at some people who are just crazy, and you say, man, how in the world? I mean, they just love this, or they love that. And some say, well, they're insane. Well, no, maybe they're just in love. Let me, let me explain myself. So it's important for you to know that love will make you do some crazy things because while you're doing your crazy things and the world's looking at you, they're saying that you sure are crazy. And in your mind saying, no, I'm in love. 
Let, let me open this thing on up for you. People in love will go to the end of the earth for the one they're in love with. Did you hear me? People in love will go to the end of the earth for the one they're in love with. This is a saying that we often use. You've heard it say, love is blind. Huh? Love is blind. In other words, love overlooks. Now, I'm not talking about just romantic love, but even brotherly love, uh, even familial love, if you will, where a mother loves her children, etc. She will overlook all kind of things that they've done wrong. You see, by this, I mean that love keeps no record of ills. Let me just read what 1 Corinthians Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, 4. Love is patient and it's kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud. It is not rude. It does not demand its own way. It's not irritable. It keeps no record of being wronged. Uh oh. Ooh. Uh, it does not rejoice about injustice, but rather rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up. Love never uh, loses faith. Love always is hopeful. It endures every circumstance. So, love will make you do crazy things. And, and you need to understand it just because somebody's doing something crazy. Like, for instance, somebody looked at you and said, man, why are you going to that church? I'm in love with that church. No, you're in love with what you feel when you come to this church. You're in love with Jesus, not me. Huh? You're in love with Jesus, not just a building. And see, so you will take the ridicule. You'll do whatever you have to do. So let me tell you a little story. I, I, I'm going to just relay it to you. Jesus is the one that actually told it and lived it. Now, some scholars say that he had healed this Pharisee named Simon of some terminal malady, some, some terminal illness, that he had perhaps healed him uh, of something harsh. And so this Simon guy, this Pharisee, he threw a big party just to honor Jesus because of, you know, his life has been changed forever. Are you with me? Now, I mean, because of being healed. Um, so at this party, something happens. Verse 36 of Luke chapter 7. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have a dinner with him. This is the New Living Translation. So Jesus went home and sat down to eat. Watch this. I want you to really see the descriptors here, if you will, the adjectives. A certain immoral woman from that city heard that Jesus was eating there. And she brought, now check this out, a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. Now, I want a little, little background out right here just so you know. That jar, they say, was about 11 ounces. Uh, 11 ounces of expensive perfume, even to the point that they said it was worth a year's wages. That's pretty incredible. I'm not going to ask you to, to raise your hands, but let's just say somebody, you know, just let, let's just be real conservative and say you make... Even $25,000 a year, which is very tough to live on, but could you imagine $25,000 being contained in 11 ounces? And by the way, I believe this is about 16.9. Uh, 
So let's just say it's filled up to the bottom line, and let's say that's $25,000, and there's others of you here that made $100,000, and then there's still others that made $200,000, and there's still others that made in excess of. But could you just imagine 11 ounces of that kind of value in a beautiful glass or alabaster jar, and when you get there, you crack the seal on that jar and start pouring that, not on someone's head, not, not touching their body, not, not anointing their hands, but feet, pouring that. Could you imagine that? So here's what the Bible says. This immoral woman, when she heard that he had brought a beautiful, that he was eating there, she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume, and she knelt down. I want you to catch this posture. She come in, and she knelt herself down at his feet, and she was weeping. She was crying, and her tears fell on his feet, and she wiped them off with her hair. I want you to picture this woman with me, this immoral woman that, that most scholars believe was a prostitute that was perhaps a young girl at one time that had been abandoned, that eventually turned to prostitution to make ends meet, so to speak. Uh, are you following me? And that she was from the city of Nain. And yet she hears about this guy because she had met him before and something had happened in her life and she was so radically changed, she still had the reputation of what she used to be, an immoral woman. Now where she had this much money, I don't know. Maybe she saved some of her earnings from her past life. But, but she brought, and I don't know if she had more than one of these, but maybe that was the only one, and it might have been the only real source of, of income she had left or the source of value, but she brought that with her, traveling from the city of Nain. Can you see her? She's coming, and she's trying to find the home where he's at, at Simon the Pharisee's house, and she knows he's going to be there. He's the guest of honor, and so she comes bringing her alabaster jar of perfume. And it's worth, the Bible depicts it as one year's wages. Incomprehensible, uh, really and truly. But she knelt at his feet, weeping. Can you imagine so overwhelmed at what God or what Jesus has done for her? Her tears falling on his feet, wiping them with her hair. Um, did you know the Bible talks in those days of a woman's long hair being her glory? Well, she's just now unfurled this glory and begins to wipe the feet. You know what the feet, you see, they wore sandals in those days or walked barefooted and they walked the roads and the camels and the donkeys and everything else walked the same road. So you understand the reason they had a foot washer at the door and the lowest servant in the house was the foot washer. You understand this is wrong. This is custom in those days. The, the lowest person in the house was the one that had to make sure a, a bucket of water, a pan of water, or a pitcher of water was there, and they would put their feet out, put them over that, and they would pour the water, and they would wash them, and they would dry them with a towel. That was common 
courtesy that in every Jewish home was supposed to be in place. Jesus, being a guest of honor, comes to Simon's house and he's sitting at a table, he's eating a meal, and this woman comes from the city of Nain with this alabaster jar of ointment and she pours it on his feet and she's weeping and she's crying and she takes her hair down and she dries his feet with her hair because she don't have a towel. And wipes them off. And then not only does she do that, she begins to kiss his feet. Kiss after kiss. You got to understand, he could have just stepped in a pile just before he got there. He could have, I, I mean, there's no doubt his feet are dusty. They've been dirty. They've had grass stains and they're probably dark and perhaps callous and all of the, the, the signs of dirty. And we need some, 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 some cleaning. We need, you know, a water fountain. We need something. But yet she don't even worry about that. She's washing them with her tears, drying them with her hair, and then takes a year's worth of wages after she's got his feet in such a condition where she has no shame in kissing them. She opens this spikenard and begins to pour on his feet. And the Bible says the fragrance filled the house and they smelt the aroma. Now you've probably smelt some bad feet before. But this was not the aroma that filled the house. This immoral woman that has been touched by Jesus unbeknownst to Simon, has come. And she's let down her glory. She's knelt down. She's cried real tears. She's dried them with uh, the feet with her hair. And she's kissed his feet. And now she's anointed them. And it caused a big stir. When the Pharisee, that is Simon, when he had, uh, uh, who had invited Jesus, saw this, he said to himself, I want you to get this. He didn't say it out loud, but he said it to himself. He said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She's a sinner. I want to put your heart at ease for a moment. I don't care what new leaf has been turned over at your life. You might have gotten delivered from whatever you used to be and do. You may be set free from alcohol, cigarettes, drugs, wild women, wild men, or whatever. You went to the baptism at the beach and the world still says, you're just an old sinner. The world don't recognize of the change that God has made in your life, even if it's genuine, even if it's real. Simon still called her an immoral woman. If he knew who she was, if he knew what kind of character, if, 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 but let me say this, if God sets you free, you are free indeed. So... But he, he didn't say it out loud, but he said it to himself. He thought, you know, within himself. And um, if this man were a prophet, he said to himself. But I want you to understand, Jesus hears the things that you say to yourself. <laughs> hey, remember I told you love will make you do some crazy things? How does a woman... 
who had an encounter with Jesus in the city of Nain. How does she go to her house and this might be the only value she has there? I don't know. If she's not selling herself anymore, how's she making money? I don't know the answer to that. But I do know she took what she had and she come and done the craziest thing you've ever seen. Call her crazy. But she cried real tears on his dirty feet. Call her crazy. But she took her beautiful hair down and dried it. Call her crazy. But she kissed his feet. Call her crazy. But she poured a year's worth of wages on somebody's feet. Not just somebody. And it wasn't wasted. She poured a year's worth of wages on the master's feet. On Jesus' feet. Let me say this to you. The world will tell you, you've lost your mind, some of you tithe-paying people, some of you people that are giving to so-called vision. Let me say this. They can say what they want. The world ain't never done nothing for me. Are you hearing me? The world had never done nothing for me. But when I came here, God said, give. And I gave, and I gave till it hurt. Are you with me? We got ready to build this building. I'll never forget. I had about 12 or 15 of the closest people to me sitting in my living room. And I asked them, listen, I said, this is going to be a project that's going to cost us about two million dollars and I know the method of operation. Most time people just get ill, get mad, get upset and they just leave. I'm the one that's left to be here and I personally promise and our Lord God knows we didn't have it. But I said I will give $5,000 and I want to know what my leadership team is going to do. And around that room I can say without any uh, equivocation, without any backing up around that room Men and women said, I'll give $3,000. I'll give $5,000. I'll give $1,000. I'll give $2,000. I'll give whatever. I challenge the leaders to say, we will do this before we ask anybody else to do something that we wouldn't be willing to jump on ourselves. You ever met somebody that's willing to, y'all don't flip out. Y'all act like I'm about to receive an offering or something. We've already received the offering, so enjoy yourself. Amen. But why, have you ever seen people that would ask you to do something that they would never do themselves? I don't like that kind of leadership. If I ask you to do something, you better believe I've done it and more than likely willing to do it again. So, so I need to tie this up. But uh, Jesus answered his thoughts. Simon thought it. He didn't say it, but Jesus heard his thoughts. And Jesus said to him in verse 40, Simon, he said to the Pharisee, I have something to say to you. Go ahead, teacher, Simon replied. Verse 41, Jesus told him a story. He said, a man loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver to one and 50 pieces of silver to the other, but neither of them had the money to repay him, so he just, gave, he just forgave both of them. Who do you think Simon loved him more? I mean, he canceled both debts. Who do you suppose loved him more after that? Simon answered and said, well, I suppose probably the one that he canceled the larger debt for. And Jesus said, that's right. That's right, Jesus said. And he turned to the woman. Watch this. I want you to catch this. Please watch. He turned to the woman while looking at her. He said to him. (laughs) He turned to the woman and said to Simon, look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered into your home, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust from my feet. 
but she's washed them with the tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't greet me with a kiss, but from the first time I came in, she's not stopped kissing my feet. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she has anointed my feet with a rare perfume. She was in love with Jesus, and when you fall in love, you'll do crazy things. Stand with me. When you fall in love with somebody, you go to the ends of the earth to honor them. You go to the ends of the earth to lift them up. So Jesus went on and he said, I tell you, her sins, watch this, and he adds, and they were many. I tell you, her sins and they were many have been forgiven. She has shown me much love. But a person who is forgiven little shows only little love. And Jesus looked at the woman and said, your sins are forgiven. Let me tell you something. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you. Next year is going to be a radical year for the harbor. It's going to start in the fall of this year. We're going to call upon people that are in love with Jesus to do some radical, crazy things. What is it, pastor, that made a woman go take 11 ounces of a year's worth of wages, precious and powerful and all of those things, and for her to think about it like, no big deal. I just need to go see him. I just need to cry at his feet. I just need to embrace him, and I'm just going to pour this on him. And she did. There's nothing too costly for the master. I want to tell you all something. There's nothing that I own, period, that I wouldn't give up for the Lord Jesus if he asked me to. I want to tell you real, real quick, I got tied up. There was a rich young lawyer that said, what must I do to be saved? And they said, well, you know, honor this and do that. And, do, and he said, I've done all these things. And Jesus said, well, go sell what you have and give it to the poor. Scholars tell me that Jesus really didn't want him to go sell what he had and give to the poor, but wanted to see his reaction if he had been willing to do it. And he hung his head and went away sad because he had many possessions. I want to tell you something. You have never given anything to the kingdom of God, but what you will not be restored in this lifetime a hundredfold and given eternal life. I'll never forget when I backed a 26-foot U-Haul trailer up to a seven-month-old three-bedroom brick house on a half-acre land that I had built five minutes from Wild Adventures. Seven months later, the Lord said, go pastor the church in Claxton, Georgia. as, As long as I live to this day, I'll never forget me and Kelly, my sister Pam, she's a year older than me, and her husband. We we pulled the ramp out of that U-Haul and set it in the doorway. It's tough for me and Kelly. Adam and Carly were little. And I opened my Bible up, and I'm not one to say, well, I just flipped my Bible open, and this is kind of where it laid, but so help me with both hands toward heaven. This is what happened this day, and I said, I think we need to do a devotion before we go. And, and my eyes just fastened right there. And Peter looked up at Jesus and said, Lord, we have left all and followed you. Jesus said, Simon, 
No one has left houses or land or mother or father or sister or brother that will not be restored a hundredfold in this lifetime and given eternal life. And Richard, that gave me the strength to go on. I was moving into a single wide falling down trailer. But I'm going to tell you right now, God took that and he honored that because he said, listen, when we just put it in God's hands, there's no telling. Had I not obeyed him then, I wouldn't obeyed him five or six years later when we came to Kingsland. And 10 or 15 years later when we built this, learning to trust God is a, oh, it's an amazing thing. I, I, I got to pray, but let me say this. Jesus said, see, some people feel like they're kind of, they've been pretty good all their life, even though a sinner never really broke an egg. I couldn't say it that way, but, you know, I had plenty of things I could repent of when I, you know. But I want to tell you something. You might have been Mr. or Mrs. Goody Two-Shoes, but you're still hell bound without the blood of Jesus Christ. And when you get radically turned on to Jesus and radically saved, that's when you do the craziest thing. If God says do something and you have the wherewithal, then you'll just say, you know what? I've been forgiven of so much. God has so radically changed. One more example. Lord have mercy. I got to go. There was a woman who was plagued with an issue of blood for 12 years. She was bleeding for 12 years. The Bible said that she had spent all she had and yet grew worse so what I ask you is this what is it that you and I would do what is it that we would do to have that kind of feeling of wholeness that feeling of everything's alright with me listen now, by the way you can't buy your salvation I don't care if you pay the harbor off can't buy your salvation yeah I, I, I'm not selling little trinkets and whatever I ain't selling nothing matter of fact But when you fall crazy in love with Jesus, you'll do some crazy things to advance the kingdom of God. In another one of the gospels, Judas spoke up and said, why was not this oil sold and the proceeds given to the poor? But then Jesus went on to say, he didn't say it because he cared about the poor. He said it because he was the treasurer and he stuck his hand in the pot anytime he wanted to. Well, so Jesus said to them, he said, this woman has put this against my burial. And everywhere, around the entire world, she'll always be remembered for this memorial sacrifice that she's done. Let, let, Let me pray. Let me say this. That testimony will demonstrate your level, your level of love and gratitude for what he has done for you. It'll show that there's nothing more valuable in this life than what God has done in your life. Let's bow together. Father, I ask you to touch your people. Lord, if there's one here today that feels compelled to break an alabaster jar and pour that upon you or your ministry, Lord, grant them the courage and the tenacity and the grace to do that in the name of Jesus. I ask you, Lord, to touch your people this morning by the mighty power of the Holy Spirit. The world calls us crazy. 
and we say yes, we are crazy in love with Jesus. Give the Lord a hand as our host comes.